This episode of the Paddock Pass podcast is brought to you by Renthal Street. From race to adventure, custom to naked, look no further than Renthal Street for handlebars, clip-ons, chains, and sprockets. Hello and welcome to the Paddock Pass podcast presented by Renthal Street. From race to adventure, customs to naked, look no further than Renthal Street for handlebars, clip-ons, chains, and sprockets. On today's Paddock Pass podcast, we've got a show basically just for you, the listener. This is a travel show for the MotoGP season. This is how we get from one round to the other. We'll give you a few tips and hints about how to reduce your costs. We'll let you have a, a look into which are our favorite races to go to and also which are a couple of races to avoid. So myself, Steve English, Adam Wheeler, Neil Morris, and David Emmon on the pod. And uh, David, you've obviously been traveling for MotoGP for 15 years, so you've got plenty of experience about the uh, the things to do right when you're on the road. Uh, yeah, and also plenty of experience with um, uh, things not to do while you're on the road, which include, you know, having your motorbike break down on you in Le Mans. Uh, so, or dropping yes. it. It, it. Sorry? Or dropping it. Or dropping it. No, no, no. Dropping it is just part of, that's part of, right. That's part of the entire motorcycle experience. That is. And if you haven't had to, uh, lift up a fully laden, uh, adventure bike and pull a muscle, then have you really lived? Um, (laughs) it's, yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those things. But I mean, like the travel, uh, going places is, Great. Uh, getting there, unless you're traveling by motorbike, is uh, horrific. And I would like to take this opportunity to tell everyone to travel to a race by motorcycle because it will change your life. I'll be honest, Dave. I, I came to you first because I wanted something about doing things right. I'm coming to <laughs> Neil second because he always did things the wrong way when he was getting started as a MotoGP journalist. Booking hotel rooms by the hour, not having flights booked until the last minute. Neil, you're a changed man now, though. You've uh, you've you've managed to put a little bit of structure in place after what seven years of traveling the world. Yeah, I'm surprised you used the past tense there, Steve. Uh, that he <laughs> did everything wrong, um, because to me it still seems that not everything is quite so right. I was uh, slightly humbled the other day when uh, our friend, friend of the show, Cormac GP, sent um, some of the invoices that he's made for 2023. Those are trips that he's not yet done, but he's already kind of finished up um, his, uh, you know, putting his like factoras and invoices together for that, which is uh, beyond me. But yeah, I think uh, I think I've come a decent way since uh, 2015 when I started. Um, I haven't booked any by the R hotels by mistake and showed up at them and then had nowhere to stay. That hasn't happened for a few years. Um, so, you know, judging by that, um, I think uh, things are going okay. I'm pretty sure that it's Lady Virgin. He's been a good influence on you, Neil, to get that structure in place. Was the uh, by the hour place? Was that actually airside, or was that landside that you, that you ended up booking a hotel? Because it hasn't hasn't one of us at least one of us booked the tune in the in the airside hotel uh, of the tune in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, it was in an airport, yeah, in Kuala Lumpur. It was it was in an airport, but it wasn't airside and. Myself and Pete McLaren were looking at Neil saying, God, this is a this is a great deal. Like this hotel looks nicer than the Tune Hotel and uh, it should be pretty good. And, and we looked through as suddenly a very confused looking Northern Irishman started pointing at his booking reference document and then had the realization that, OK, I've got a hotel that's booked between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. for the next five nights. <laughs> so I need somewhere to stay for the other hours of the night. And uh, needless to say, Neil, 
you ended up sleeping on the floor in the terminal. But, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that happens to us all. Yeah, 11 and 13 were actually hours and not dates. Yeah, just uh, be careful of your accommodation choices, I think. But um, I, I didn't mean that in a bad way. I think full respect to, you know, to Neil for them, you know, just finding solutions for getting around. And that's why I think if you, you know, if you're contemplating getting to a MotoGP race and you're looking at train travel or whatever else or coaches, buses, you know, however you want to make it to a, for, to a Grand Prix, then, um, you know, it's uh, it's good to have that versatility instead of having to waste hundreds of hundreds of euros on a hire car because that's probably the cost that has gone up the most since the pandemic uh, top tip for hire cars is um although it seems to have dropped again like last year it was horrendous it was absolutely just atrocious the amount of money they were they were trying but it's always worth uh booking with free cancellation and then seeing if there's anything cheap about a, a sort of a few days before um i saved a lot of money last year by uh, by doing that and i think there's a whole bunch of these races where you would want to book with free cancellation anyway I think generally hunting around for the best deal is is a is a good tactic, Dave. I think it's good advice. But then if you're traveling regularly, then it pays off to to try and stay with one company or one airline because then you, you end up getting benefits. Um, I mean, with Avis now, I'm like right at the top tier, which means ultra quick pickup. So you skip queues, you get upgraded, you know, car models, which sometimes helps if you have to drive, for example, every year from Red Bull Ring. You traditionally fly to Vienna. That's almost like a three-hour drive. So if you're stuck in a little uh, Twingo, um, you know, I don't know why that came to mind. Something to do with Gerald Piquet, perhaps. Uh, or, you know, you're in a half-decent car where you're, you're throttling down the motorway. Then it makes a difference. Adam Platinum Wheeler. In uh, more ways than one, obviously, Adam. Adam and I. But um, what, are, what are our top-tier Grand Prix then? Neil, what's your favorite Grand Prix of the year? Favorite Grand Prix? Um, well, we were sort of doing a little pre-discussion before uh, we started recording. Um, I mean, I have about three or four choices that I, I kind of flip between. Um, but I've going to settle on Mugello just because of, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's self-explanatory, really. The track is wonderful. The area is wonderful. The food is sensational. Um, and usually the racing is of the absolute highest caliber. And it's not a ball-breaking journey to get there. It's a bit um, a bit awkward from Barcelona to fly to uh, to Florence. Usually it's at um, 6 a.m. on the Thursday morning before the race weekend. But aside from that, it's um, it's uh, it's a sensational place. Um, where you get to stay is, is pretty great up in the mountains. Um, it does have its downsides and its negatives. I mean, it's, uh, it's a killer for traffic. And last year we did have a bit of a bit of a I guess wet blanket of a GP the attendance was way down the atmosphere wasn't as good as it was when Rossi was um, Rossi was riding um, but still for me I think uh, just everything about it. when you come into the track there's just something quite magical about seeing um, you're in a valley essentially and just seeing the kind of the track spread out around you and usually um, last year uh, aside um, you have really really great atmosphere from Thursday afternoon when you come in. People are already starting up their chainsaws and CBR 600 engines that are being revved to the absolute tits in the campsite. So, um, yeah, I think Emma Jello gets my vote. 
I mean, the other thing is it's a good sell to uh, people with partners who are not interested in motorbike racing because you can actually stay in Florence and get a train up. And Florence is just a spectacular city. Um, I absolutely recommend going there. And so you can sort of wander around this amazing medieval city, this sort of place with so much history and uh, and art and uh, beauty and culture and uh, hop on a train and go to a motorbike race. And Florentine Stakes as well, Dave. You, you forgot to mention that. <laughs> Steve, I think, you know, we should also point out before we really get into this subject that, you know, we're working members of the media. So our perspective of a Grand Prix and MotoGP events is obviously a slightly different to a race fans. I mean, we arrive pretty early. We leave quite late. So our estimation of dealing with traffic is probably off compared to a normal race fan. When it comes to ticket prices, of course, we can see what they are. We, we don't have to pay for them. Um, you know, we fortunate on many occasions to be able to jump into a place like the Red Bull Hospitality or to get some food um, you know, or Alpine Stars have been fantastically generous rather than having to pay through the nose for a, a Piadina or something on, on the on the hills of Mugello or Mizano or wherever else. So it's um, what we're giving here here is just some uh, views, some opinions from expertise of traveling around and seeing and also speaking to race fans. But Steve, I know you're probably slightly unique amongst the, th the four of us because uh, you, you get to our Superbike events usually with a bunch of mates in tow. Yeah, I take uh, a big group to Donington each year. So I've got last year, I think I had 25 people in the group. So it was loads of family members friends my dad came over with a few of his mates and that's always one of the trips that we look forward to each year and the reason for it is with donnington the airport is a five minute drive to the circuit so you fly in on the saturday morning you fly out the sunday night you take one night in a hotel you get two days at the track and obviously for world Superbikes, you've got a saturday race you've got the sunday races and you're just it's action all the way and they love it because donnington's a good track for being able to get in close to the action the food's good. On the Saturday night, we usually go to Gandhi's down in Castle Donington for a big curry. And you've got, we had, we had 30 of us one year down in the curry house. Michael Vandermark came down after winning for Yamaha and uh, sat down to, to join us for, for dinner. And the guys in Gandhi's thought it was thought it was the best thing ever. And uh, they put on great show for us and we've gone back ever since. So there's there's certain rounds that always work well for that. Porto is good because you're down on the beach. Mizano's good because you're down on the beach. You know, as long as you've got stuff that's that's different, like Dave said, with Florence for Modelo, as long as you've got enough things that can add to the weekend, you can make it into a proper holiday. And I think that's the big thing for going to a race because we've forgotten that. You know, you're going to work. So you don't remember that this is one of the big events of the year for everyone going to the race. You know, I remember whenever I was a kid going to Silverstone for the first time in ninety seven for the Formula One Grand Prix. And this was my Christmas present and I spent seven months looking forward to it. So that's that's something that is easy to forget whenever you get in our positions. But like a race weekend, if, you, if it's one that you're going to, you have to plan it out to, to pick one that's going to give you that really good experience. Yeah, one thing, don't ask journalists what the favourite grandstand, what their favourite grandstand is because we haven't got a clue. You know, what's the best place to watch a race? I'll tell you, mate, uh, it's the press centre. Um, uh, the, I mean, I like to walk around the track. I think uh, all of us sort of like walk around, uh, uh, try to walk around a track, but it's it's just not the same as actually watching a race from there. It's it's completely different experience. So, um, yeah, we we genuinely don't know what the best place is to watch a race from. Well, that's where Silverstone for the British Grand Prix is terrific because 
usually you can just get a Roman grandstand ticket and you're able to move you around, move yourself around a different sector. So for the British Grand Prix, lots of times I've gotten it where for my dad and his mates, I've just got them tickets for the grandstand down at Luffield and they walk all the way around there. They're able to see, you know, a third of the track, basically. So it's, it's ideal for them. So at the moment, we're still talking about our favorite Grand Prix, yeah, with, with our own particular criteria, right? Okay, well, mine is Barcelona, and that's not because I live up the road. Um, yes, I think it is. You just... Well, it is. It is. I <laughs> no, don't it... like us. All right, being objective, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, you have the weather. I think you have a, a very a, quite a diverse circuit in terms of the demands that it puts on, on the bikes and the riders um, and the proximity to the city. I mean, it's 20 kilometers away from a jewel of the Mediterranean. So I think um, I still don't really understand why the teams stay in the dumpy area around the track. I mean, 20K is literally uh, from the hotels on the beach. You jump on like the motorway and you can be at the circuit in like 15, 20 minutes tops. So I don't understand why people don't stay down there. Perhaps, you know, it's too much of a distraction. Uh, you know, people want to get away from the track and get to hotels by the sea and um, enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, Barcelona for me always has that that perfect compromise of lots of different things. Just about that, because for the Catalan World Superbike Round, we stay very close to the track. We're in a hotel that's literally a five-minute drive. But I remember Eurosport stayed probably about 20 minutes away, then to the beaches to the north, I think, of the track. And they used to just rent scooters and ride down to the track each morning. And it was 15, 20 minute ride. And uh, they thought this was the best Grand Prix, the best round of the year to go to, just because they were able to muck around on scooters for the weekend as well. Uh, yeah, I've stayed there. I've stayed in Mataró, which is a, a town on the north uh, up there with my wife, and it's just been fantastic. It's really, uh, uh, it's really nice. The beaches there. I think Neil joined us for dinner uh, for dinner one night there. There's a there's a train into Barcelona from from there, which runs still till quite late. So yeah, it's uh, definitely recommended. Dave, what's your favourite Grand Prix of the year? Um, well, my favourite Grand Prix is an unusual one. My, my favourite one is Aragon. Unfortunately, we're not going this year, but we will be going, I think, next year. Um, and that's just because of the scenery, the uh, the backdrop, uh, everything which is around it. I mean, like, um, uh, as I may have mentioned before, I don't like people. And uh, Aragon is a great Grand Prix to go to if you don't like people, because there aren't very many people there. <laughs> so it's... Um, um, we stay up in a little mountain village, which is a long way away. It's a it, it's a proper pain, and Aragon is definitely one of the worst for finding accommodation in the area, for travel times, um, uh, all the rest of it. But um, we stay up in a little village in the mountains. We always stay on either before or after, and uh, go hiking. And it's it, I mean, it's just a uh, it's just a wonderful part. That part of Spain, I think, is massively, massively underrated. Uh, if you want to go mountain biking, if you want to go hiking, if you want to, you know, ride motorbikes on on the road, if you want to uh, do a little bit of adventure biking, you know, there's loads and loads of dirt bike trails uh, or you know gravel roads, all the rest of it, um, all through the mountains, everywhere. It's it's just a fantastic part of Spain. Yeah, and it is one of those places that looks unique because. When you're over there, it might as well be in the Wild West from the like Good, Bad, the Ugly films because it's so wild and isolated. There's no one around. And then you suddenly come across across the racetrack and it's it's just fantastic. I think for me, probably my favorite race to go to, or the one Grand Prix that I miss not going to now that I'm not working in MotoGP is Coda because I always love going to the US. 
and uh, I lived in Texas for a while whenever I was working over there. So I always I always enjoyed going back. And from Dublin, it's easy to get there for a flyaway race. You clear your immigration and everything in advance. So you've got no hassle once you land. There's good golf, good barbecue. And, uh, you know, the racetrack isn't as good as it should be or as good as it could be. But uh, there's something about Coda for the, the full experience, the weekend, going down 6th Street and the music, the scene down there is always something special. So that's the one race that I probably miss most from not covering the, the, the GP Championship anymore. Steve, I think the track is magnificent. I mean, it's it's, it's one of the, the longest and the best in the championship. The racing isn't bad. Yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's a there's a case to be made for it. I think it's technical. It's it's, it's diverse. It's and it's one of the very few tracks that has a football pitch right in the middle of it. So how how can you complain about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't complain too vigorously, seeing as I put it down as my favorite Grand Prix. But uh, there's a lot of criteria that goes into making a decision like that. So obviously, one of them would be the atmosphere at a race and uh, Ad, what about you what's the the best atmosphere the one race where you think do you know what i'd rather get out of the press center and sit in amongst the crowd and have a beer and just watch the race well there are some times steve when you can feel the atmosphere in an event even though you are kind of stuck in the media room uh because you know you need to keep an eye on what's going on obviously uh, we have information monitors there uh some circuits are better than others i mean something like hereth um, you know, you have these kind of, I don't know, what, 18 inch monitors that were installed in the early 90s. Um, they haven't been changed since, but uh, we can't grumble too much. Um, but, you know, Le Mans, I think, is an exceptionally organized event. I think, you know, there's been a surge in the kind of vibe around the place. I mean, Johan Zarco, I think Neil might be able to correct me here. He qualified on pole or on the front row 2017, his debut season. Um, and there was a real sense of expectation at the Grand Prix then. I mean, you could feel the pressure that Zarco was under, you know, pre-race. Um, of course, Fabio Quattararo winning the championship. I think the French fans have really been able to get into that, that event, not just for the whole party vibe, but for the fact that they could actually, you know, see a home victory. A bit of trivia for you guys. Who was the last Frenchman to win a Grand Prix in Le Mans? Louis Rossi. Yeah. 2012. 12. Okay, now for the full pie on the bike. Uh, FTR Honda. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> there's, no, there's literally no point in doing trivia quizzes with, uh, with, <laughs> with Neil because it's just, you know, he knows them all. You would literally well, have to. You have uh, to. There are just some sessions where you just have to fill it out with this kind of, you know, useless <laughs> trivia that is not useful in any other part of your life. So. Well,. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I think, as, you know, Le Mans has a real, real vibe about it. Um, and of course, it's always usually very busy, even if the weather is bad, which is, is quite impressive. Assen as well, I'm going to give it a nod. But Dave, I'm sure you'll talk about that. Who was the last Dutchman to win Assen? Uh, Michael van der Mark. Uh, no, I have literally, I have, ask, ask Neil. Neil knows these things. I don't know. Yeah, Jack Middleburg, maybe? Yeah, pro- uh, yeah probably. Yeah. I know, no, Hans Spann. Hans Spann won there, I think. Yeah, 1989. <laughs> so there you go but i'm going to finish off right here now i'm going to say hereth again it's usually the first european round on the on the calendar again you've got the weather factor you've got a very eclectic crowd i think you know you get fans all over europe um coming together and kind of celebrate grand prix racing there's a fantastic history there of course i think from 87 was the first grand prix year they had and i looked it up and there's only been one year since 2010 um, when a Spaniard actually hasn't won a Grand Prix, um, and that was 2016. Can anyone name the three winners on that day? 
Rossi, Brad Binder in the Moto3. That famous win. And Moto2 was uh, An Alex English Marquez. Man. No. How would it be a non-Spanish winner if it was Alex Marquez? Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. He's Catalan. <laughs> oh, no, it's Sam Lowe's. <laughs> Sam Lowe's. That's it. So, you know, the, Spani- the Spaniards have been spoiled for success in Jerez. Uh, one thing about uh, Le Mans, there is that uh, the, the atmosphere is fantastic uh, until the sun goes down, after which it's um, uh, like that um, Tarantino film from Dusk Till Dawn. <laughs> yeah, but that has Salma Hayek dripping tequila down her torso, Dave. That's not necessarily a bad thing. No, this is, well, yeah, that, yeah. That, no, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, but the bit where they sort of, you know, start sort of dismembering you and uh, eating your uh, still beating flesh is the, uh, is the bad bit. Which takes me nicely to my favorite Grand Prix of the year for atmosphere, the Saxon <laughs> Ring. It's a great race to go to. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think for me the the Saxon Ring is is a race that I miss being to as well. I've taken friends to that race over the years. In 2015, I took a couple of mates over to that, and uh, you're right in on top of the action all the way around the track. There's loads of places where you can see four or five corners. The fans are always really boisterous. They're well they're well oiled at Saxon <laughs> Ring, and uh, they're ready for ready for the day. The food was good. And uh, the beer was cheap, so I know that my mates always enjoyed going to that round. What about you, Dave? What's the the best atmosphere of the year? Uh, well, I have to say Aston, really. But I mean, like Saxon Ring, definitely a good shout. You don't and have I'm, to say Aston, Dave. It's yes. not part of your Dutch citizenship test. Uh, I, uh, I mean, like I'm afraid of getting kicked out. But no, um, uh, genuinely, the atmosphere is fantastic. I mean, it's a, uh, like Saxon Ring. Saxon Ring 2 is great. Um, so is Le Mans, honestly. Um, but it's just... Um, it's... Aston is it's still the biggest sport uh, one day sporting event in uh, uh, in the, the Netherlands um, and it's massive because it's not really it's not even really about sort of MotoGP it's just a really it's just a really good day out and the people around it, uh, uh, at the track are trying to make it into a bigger and a bigger thing uh, trying to make it into you know more of a more of an event and and you really feel that yeah I remember to Peter Bomb about it, David, and he said that uh, there's a lot of fans that go to Aston because it's the Dutch TT. They have no interest in motorbikes whatsoever, but you've been brought up that this is one of the big events of the year to go to. And uh, Neil, it's a bit like going to the Northwest 200. You've just got to do it at least once, and then you go to it, and then uh, you decide whether you want to go back again. But uh, what's your favorite event of the year for the atmosphere? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's plenty to choose from. I think all of the ones that you've mentioned are, are good shots. Um, strangely, I would say Valencia maybe might be the best atmosphere of the year. We know it's a pretty crap track. The racing isn't always great there. However, just the nature of the grandstand and the fact that it is just like one massive big football stadium, when it is a high attendance, which let's be honest is in most years, um, you know, you can count on 100,000, 120,000 people there on race day. If you do have a championship on the line or a Spanish rider that is fighting amongst the front or maybe even fighting for a championship, um, you do have a, a pretty... Uh, pretty lively, boisterous atmosphere. You have, it's almost like a, a kind of football game. I remember the first time I went to a MotoGP race was in 20, 2007. 125 championship was on the line. Um, and uh, yeah, Hector Fabel was one of the guys that could have won the championship. He was fighting with Gabor Talmashi. And every race when they were coming round, it was like being at a football match when 
there's a really good chance or someone's about to score a goal. Um, it was just fantastic. And you have all people, all kind of cast of characters sitting around you, um, you know, getting drunk from 7 a.m. in the morning or, you know, pulling out big legs of uh, of kind of cured ham and, and sharing it with uh, the people around them. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's just good fun. I mean, obviously, it has its drawbacks. It's not the best track, as I mentioned, but um, I think for atmosphere, Valencia certainly takes some beating. And I'd like to, think- I'd like to give a brief mention to Thailand as well, because Thailand, the last couple of, well, the three times we've been there, I think we've had 80 plus thousand people there. Um, and um, yeah, really nice, friendly people. And um, just mad for MotoGP, and you can usually hear them from the TV cameras screaming and shouting um, at the kind of events going on on track. So I think Thailand is also a great one for atmosphere. Just on a, on a scale of one to ten, how many events need to have it where you're sitting in a grandstand and someone takes out a leg of cured ham? <laughs> it's, uh, it's probably better to have ham than pippas, which you know means you end up being surrounded by a small mountain of um, discarded. Uh, seeds i guess uh you know is is what they are but neil's got a great point um steve i think um you know and it also depends very much on the circuit announcers that you have i mean i can remember being in valencia one year and they had a particularly animated guy who was whipping up the, the the crowd um you know he was conducting like a mexican wave around that whole kind of palouse grandstand section uh they have in valencia and it was it was was cool to see you know again there have been a lot of like Neil said, championships decided in Valencia, um, you know, so there is a sense of expectation. So it's it's a, it's a good one to go to even, and also it's not that far away from the city centre, like I mentioned with Barcelona. So it's, uh, I, I think MotoGP has taken a real risk in 2023 by putting it so late in the calendar. It's going to be a really, it's going to be a 50-50 thing on the weather conditions because it's usually pretty cold in the mornings and the the afternoons the days get very short so it's going to be a, a later valencia than ever this year so i probably wouldn't put it too high in my recommendation list for this particular season but um yeah it's, it's one of those kind of uh less obvious but firm choices yeah one caveat when when it's raining it is utterly miserable it is crap but when the sun's shining it's uh, it's a nice getaway from uh, the kind of winter the onset of winter in the uk yeah, because I've been at Valencia at that time of year for uh, for the CEV, the Junior GP Championship, and you can have good weather for it as well. And when the weather's good, it's still 20 degrees. It's still really pleasant. But I remember in 2015, I took my dad to Valencia, and um, he sat in the middle of the grandstand. And obviously, that was the, the Rossi Lorenzo Marquez year. And um, he, he thought it was great. He thought it was one of the best races he'd ever gone to. The atmosphere was tremendous. But more than anything, he loved going into town on the Thursday, Friday, exploring Valencia, and then come out to the track Saturday and Sunday. You sit in the grandstand, you can see the entire racetrack, and he thought that this was the fan experience above all fan experiences for him going to a MotoGP race. Yeah, I mean, my parents went to Silverstone. What was the year that it rained really heavily? Not the year that 12. it was rained off. Yeah, 12. That's right. They went They went there and um, uh, I said, you know, do you want to come the year after? Do you want to go to another race? They were like, oh, no, no, it's all right. We're fine. <laughs> because it was just utterly miserable. It was just raining all of the time. Uh, and then for my dad's 80th in uh, 2017, we went to uh, Austin uh, with my brother and his family and 
my and my parents and they absolutely loved that as a big again the weather was fantastic but also you know there was lots of grass you could walk around you could see everything and there was lots of lots of stuff to do so yeah uh, uh, the weather can be can be a really really big thing just a quick fire before we take a break on the podcast podcast i'm going to ask you a quick question and just a very quick answer which is going to be difficult for you dave i know but um <laughs> That's why I'm going to give you the easiest question, Dave. What day do you arrive at a Grand Prix? Um, uh, Wednesday. And when do you go home? Uh, Monday or Tuesday, depending on flights and work and travel. Perfect. Neil, Airbnb or hotel? Uh, Airbnb, because it means I'm staying with colleagues. Colleagues, always not a plus. That's, 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 that's nice. <laughs> yeah, you're my uh, colleagues. <laughs> The Paddock Pass podcast colleague team. Um, Adam, for you, um, what's the what's the most important thing whenever you're planning a trip? Is it your flights, your hotel, your car rental? Is it food? What are you thinking about whenever you're getting yourself lined up for a race? Ah, it's got to be flights, I think, Steve. Like if you, you know, reference um, Dave and Neil's question, then, um, you know, arriving at a track, if you can try and arrive Thursday morning, but then, of course, you're dependent on time and distance, then that's even better. Um, as a general rule of thumb, we're away from home so much. Um, you know, having sort of a wife and two kids, you don't really want to be, um, you know, unnecessarily traipsing around Europe, um, you know, when you could be at home helping them or doing things with them. So, uh, yeah, if you can arrive Thursday morning and then get out on a Monday um, after we've done a Paddock Pass podcast, of course, then that's usually the uh, the routine. So I think flights, really, and that determines everything else, how much your car's going to be, whether you're going to stay in a hotel, uh, on Airbnb, like Neil said, staying in Airbnb can be quite fun. Um, it's very collaborative. Uh, you know, it's often cheaper. But then also staying in a hotel has its comforts. You know, you can use a gym. Um, you know, there are other amenities on t- to hand, so they have their their pros and cons. You're staying in much nicer hotels than I am. Uh, the, the gym consists of walking up the stairs because the lift is broken. Are you um, a top tier in Booking dot com as well as uh, said yeah. <laughs> I, I do have well, a gym with hotels dot com. I want you to know. <laughs> every ten, every ten nights, Adam gets a free night. I do have One, a genius discount, actually. But you know, if you've been staying in hotels for twenty plus years. It does. You do tend to have that. Just on on that matter, though, I know you mentioned it earlier on about the cars. I it is actually really important to note how you can make the most advantage of your travel, and that's the same whether it's for us traveling like MotoGP, twenty one events. 11 inside Europe, 10 outside Europe. Superbikes is 12-round calendar. I've got another couple of events that I usually do each year. So being able to travel with the same airlines is important. Being able to book with the same hotels and uh, car rentals, whatever it would be, that is important. And that's the same regardless of whether you're doing as much travel as we do or if you go to one race a year and one holiday a year. Because if you're able to maximize that, it does make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, just to to quickly point out, I think if you're a freelance journalist, then you need to be planning your events. So if you're from a 21 race MotoGP calendar, you're planning to attend, say, 10 Grand Prix. You know, you need to budget maybe 1,000, 1,500 euros per race. So you need to be putting that money in the bank even before you put any bread on the table. So, you know, you have to work it all out. Um, And some people like, you know, Neil mentioned our our colleague Cormac get get things done incredibly early. Uh, but then, you know, you're, since the pandemic, it's, it's very touch and go as to what events can actually happen. You can get your fingers burned by losing money on, on deposits and whatever else. So you really have to be, you know, careful. And, and, you know, that's why it's very difficult to recommend to listeners 
costs because uh, car hire for the last three to four years to get to Red Bull Ring in Austria has been nothing less than 600, 650 euro, which is crazy for five days. Um, when you used to get the same car maybe for an Italian Grand Prix for maybe 150, 180 euros. So the costs really fluctuate and we could fly to places for 150 euros or 450. So that's, um, it, it can be hard. Some events, you know, you go there and you, you're effectively losing money. But then in some other Grand Prix, you're, you're winning a lot more because it just evens itself out. Yeah, exactly. You you can't say how much does it cost to attend a Grand Prix because each Grand Prix is different. I think uh, so far the cheapest Grand Prix that I'm going to be attending is going to cost me maybe 350 or 400 euros total. Uh, and uh, there are a couple of others, uh, including a couple in Europe, well, where you'd be spending, you know, like two grand. So it's, it, it, it really depends a lot on how easy it is to find flights, how easy it is to find accommodation and, and, and uh, car rental, all sorts of things. And yeah, and car rental in Australia does seem absolutely outrageous um, uh, compared to other places. We're going to take a quick break of the Paddock Pass podcast and when we come back we're going to continue talking about our travel experiences and we're going to look at uh, some of the other elements that make or break a race weekend for us. Renthal Street Ultralight Rear Sprockets are CNC machined from an advanced aluminum, keeping rotating unsprung mass to a minimum. The integral hard anodized finish has a higher resistance to mechanical wear, which increases its longevity. Available for a huge range of motorcycles with options for a number of teeth and chain pitch. Use the Fit My Bike tool on Renthal.com to find the correct fitment for your bike. Welcome back to the Paddock Pass podcast presented by Renthal Street. And uh, just Talking about uh, travel to MotoGP races, MotoGP events, one of the big things that Adam mentioned earlier on was that there's a lot of challenges then for how to get yourself around. Dave, what's your big tip for which races are good ones to go to? Yeah, um, there are a few which are really well served by public transport. So, uh, I mean, like Assen, you land a skip or get on a train, which will uh, drop you in Assen, and then there's a bus to the circuit. Uh, Lamar, as we said, uh, stay in the centre of town, and there's a tram which drops you outside the circuit. Valencia is decent because there's a there's a train, and they open a special train uh, station uh, during the uh, during the weekend. Uh, Saxon Ring is very close to the centre of the town, and the, the town has got a train station as well. Um, uh, uh, yeah, those are all, you know, really, really well served by uh, public transport. And there's others which are just absolutely horrendous. I mean, I cannot imagine how you would get to Austria by public transport or Aragon by public uh, transport. Although you can get to Alcanith with, um, uh, uh, by, uh, by bus. And then, uh, there's, I think there's also a bus which will take you to the circuit. So there's, there's a few which are actually, which are actually quite decent. The, the Silverstone again is an absolute nightmare to get to by public transport. Um, it's very difficult. So you, if you are, if you don't want to drive, it's worth, absolutely worth researching how to get to uh, places by public transport. The, the golden circle really is the proximity of the track to an airport to accommodation slash somewhere interesting to stay so if you can find an event that ticks you know you're inside that kind of golden area then you're winning i mean an example for me is something like sepang uh, you can land in Kuala Lumpur. The track is right next to the airport. Uh, you could get a hotel. I mean, a lot of people stay actually at the airport, but then you can get on a train. It takes a little while, but then it's not that far right into the center of the city. 
so that's really quite easy in terms of travel. Um, Barcelona, for reasons like I mentioned earlier, they're very the same. You land in Barcelona airport, you stay in the city center, you can do a lot of stuff. If you want to go with family who don't want to go to the track for free practice or a sprint race, then they can hang out by the beach or see the tourism. Um, and actually get into the track itself is possible by a train. I think you probably can get a bus from the center that services the circuit, the uh, circuito de Barcelona, Catalonia. And then also, um, you know, to get a taxi is not too costly either. Uh, Valencia on the same principle and I would even give a nod to I know a race that's not so popular with with all of us but Qatar uh, you know you land on one side of Doha you're staying in usually incredibly nice hotels that in other countries would be far more expensive uh, and then getting to the track is not terribly difficult even though road works and the last couple of years have meant it's been a bit of an, been a bit of an adventure so uh, yeah try and try and hit those those criteria um, if you're not driving or you don't want to spend the money on a hire car. Yeah, I would say as well, lad, that uh, Sepang is a great shout because everything about Malaysia is actually pretty cool, except for the weather. Obviously, it's absolutely horrendous. But uh, Sepang, you fly into a nice airport. You can stay in the airport. Dave's going to the Sepang test in a couple of weeks. He'll stay in the June Hotel. It's in the airport. It's cheap. It's clean. It's nice. Good atmosphere and, uh, as well, Steve. Good, great atmosphere at the race. But I was going to say that the, the train into town, the, the KL Express, it takes 45 minutes. You're into the middle of town. My uncle's actually over in Malaysia at the minute. And he asked me for some restaurant advice for, for him and my aunt. And I was there saying, well, do you know what? X, Y, Z that we've gone to over the course of the race weekend are really good. And you go in and like, I got a message back from him saying that like it was an unbelievable food for 10 euro. You know, so he went into town and got a, a great sampling of Malaysian cuisine and thought it was fantastic. And there's lots of things like that in Malaysia where for not an awful lot of money, you're able to get an awful lot of bang for your buck. You've got the KL market as well. So that's always a good trip in one of the days of a Grand Prix weekend if you have time just to be able to pick up whatever you want in there, whether it's sunglasses, watches, clothes, fabric, whatever it is. And uh, that's that's a great event. And I think it's it's a good shout. And Sepang, there's great golf actually in KL. Same in Qatar. For some reason... Them and Coda are three races that come straight to my mind for three of the races I like going and to. And You're able to combine things. Portimao as well, ideal. <laughs> I think I've played golf on every golf course in the Algarve. And um, <laughs> Portimao is great for that. You know, there, so there's, there's a lot of times whenever, for us, if we're able to combine something that we enjoy doing outside of racing, it's, it makes a race weekend for us. And that's where whether it's food, whether it's great tiramisu at, uh, at Mizano. You know, you've got to be able to find the good things that, uh, that make a, a race weekend. And Dave loves a tiramisu. So obviously that means that Mizano is right up on, on, his, on his list of races that he wants to go to. Steve, we're talking about, you know, recommending decent MotoGP events to people. I don't think you need to be stressing about putting your little sticks in a bag and making sure you don't have balls and tees as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other podcast. You've got to stress about it. You've got to stress about it, Ad. If I don't, who's going to who's going to be able to judge all the golf courses in the Algarve for people? Yeah, the golf courses around MotoGP circuits will be an extra uh, episode available to our Patreon subscribers uh, in sometime <laughs> in the near future. Um, but I mean, we've spoken a lot about the the easiest kind of GPs to travel to um, in terms of flying and in terms of finding cheap, affordable travel and and decent accommodation and lots of nice things around the track. Um, I guess. We have to also mention that there are some GPs where it's kind of the opposite. It's it's really not easy to get to. It's very, very expensive. And maybe there's not a great deal around the track to see 
and do uh, to make it worth your while going to that particular part of the world. I mean, I'll I'll basically nominate uh, Argentina for that. I mean, Argentina is a fabulous country um, from what I've seen. I love kind of going there every year because you get to spend a few days in Buenos Aires, which is a lovely, great city, like one of the, I think, the coolest cities I've, I've been to. Um, there's just so much going on. It's got its own kind of vibe, its own feel. Um, but you do then have to, after a long flight to Argentina, you then have to take another two-hour flight to the north of Argentina from Buenos Aires, which is usually extremely expensive. Um, and then you go to this little town, uh, Termas de Rio Hondo, which is about an hour and a half drive from the airport where you land. Um, car hire is extortionate in that part of the world. Um, so it is a real, real journey just getting to the, the Termas town itself. And it's it's a nice town. There's a great atmosphere. There's a real party vibe to it, but it's not necessarily the prettiest, most scenic, wonderful part, I think, of Argentina that you could see. Um, there's not a great deal going on there other than the fact that everyone kind of... Uh, Everyone um, gathers around that part of that part of the country from all parts of South America and has a big party for a couple of days, which is which is a cool thing. That's definitely a, a good atmosphere that maybe we didn't mention earlier on in the show. Um, but yeah, I would say Argentina is a difficult one to get to if um, you know if, if if money isn't an issue, um, you could maybe check it out for something different. But yeah, it's uh, it's a real ordeal getting there, and it's going to hit your bank balance pretty hard. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that makes the Argentinian superbike round a bit better than Termas, because even though the Termas track is phenomenal, the location isn't easy to get to, it's expensive, and there's a few drawbacks on it, whereas when we're down in San Juan, you've got the most unbelievable setting for a racetrack. You're in the foothills of the Andes, you've got snow on the top of the mountains, you've got the flats then as well where uh, where the racetrack is, and you're only two hours away from Mendoza, so that's the big wine-producing region for Argentina, so you get great wine, great steak, and a good racetrack in a great setting. So it ticks a lot of the boxes, but the racetrack's nowhere near as good as Termas. So Termas does have one of the best tracks in the calendar going for it, but it is a, a tough one as well. And Dave, what about for you? What's the, the tough one to go to? I mean, for me, the, the race to miss, and this is going to be an unpopular choice, is uh, Austria, uh, because it's... Um, <laughs> Uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's really difficult to find accommodation. It's really expensive. I mean, the setting is fantastic, um, but then it always rains. Um, and it's just, there's just a lot of things which are really, really, really difficult about it. Um, uh, you know, I, I would quite like to go to Austria. I mean, I, like I went down to Austria on the bike last year and it's fantastic. Um, except that, um, it was, like I said, I was staying in a year to manage to bang me head getting out of the very, very low door. Now, staying in a yurt is, is, it's not sort of, it's not one of Adam's nice homes hotels it's uh it's a very much of a it's a very basic uh, experience so um yeah i mean like it, it there's it's in the middle of nowhere there's nothing else to do uh there's it, i mean unless you were going to go uh, you know like hiking or mountain biking or something like that uh, uh combined with it then it's definitely one that i would give a miss yeah, and I think as well as that, uh, having to see Dave and his leader Hosen on the grid <laughs> beside Carmelo, probably enough He's to dull. make me not want to go to there as well. <laughs> it's not even the leather Hosen, Steve. It's his Durndal, which uh, is particularly off-putting. Well, that is, that is a good point to make and uh, something that we should move on swiftly from. And what about you? What's the, the one race where you think it's a, a little bit tricky to get to? 
for me, Steve, I mean, one to miss or when the calendar comes out each year, I kind of think, right, well, I'm not going to do that one. I think for the reasons that Neil said, and actually for the first, uh, for the reasons I'm missing the first round of MSGP this year, because it's, um, Nelkian is in, it's like a Termas, but in reverse. It's in Patagonia. So it's a, a 12, 13, 14 hour flight to Buenos Aires, cross, across the city, two hour flight to Bariloche, then another hour and a half drive. It's a long, long way to go, even though it's in a magical place. Um, you know, the landscape is quite spectacular. So I think just the hike to get to Argentina, I think once, you, once you've done it, I've done it for a couple of years for MHGP, I, I think you, it gets somewhat tiresome unless you absolutely have to go for some you know editorial reason um but i would nominate argentina i'd say thailand for the same thing never looks particularly appealing i haven't been um and motegi just every year just seems to be you know hit by weather or very tough um in terms of travel because the accommodation is not close by um even though i think you know it's still one i would like to tick off my list because you know there's a lot of history i think um particularly with i think the hrc museum is there at the motegi and um you know japan is a very special kind of culture having been there three years in a row again for motocross uh, for 2005 to 2007 which was at sugo uh just around the corner from the superbike track um you know it was was a it was a very cool event so um yeah one to miss i, I would probably say argentina but simply because of distance and then uh, let's see what we we find in kazakhstan and india this year the uh, Argentinian, the Argentinian um, motocross cra- uh, track, and uh, uh, how, how, how did you put it? Neil King. Ah, uh, oh, right. Well, you see, that's also the uh, the the Dutch word for copulation. So uh, that is why I'm particularly <laughs> keen on it. But never mind. <laughs> you just ruined that venue oh. for me now, Dave. <laughs> I will say one thing about Astana and in India. I've been to, or sorry, Kazakhstan and in India. I've been to Astana and I've been to Delhi. And they're definitely places that, are, especially for Delhi, somewhere that's worth experiencing. I've, I've been there only on work trips, and each time I ended up with pretty bad Delhi belly. So I wouldn't be in too much of a hurry to have to uh, to rush back to that for the MotoGP race. But Delhi's amazing. You turn up and there's you know a six-lane wide road that's got 10 lanes of traffic on it. And uh, the, the rental car experience I had in Delhi was probably the most fun I've ever had driving. Other than that idea, I've, I've been to Motegi, I've been to Suzuka as well. Both are a little bit difficult to get to, but uh, the one problem for Motegi is the, the hotel accommodation. You're usually 50 minutes, an hour away from the track, which is which is all right, but it means that you've suddenly added two hours to your day each day traveling over and back to the track, so that's a difficulty. The one thing about Japan as well is you have to make sure you have an international driver's permit and that you've got the correct international driver's permit because when I arrived in 2015, I found out that I had the wrong international driver's permit and they wouldn't rent me a car. And I was walking around the airport and I saw John and Eugene Laverty. And it turns out both of them had the wrong international permits as well. So the three of us were thrown into the back of uh, someone's little Nissan Cube and driven up to uh, Motegi for two hours. So you got to make sure that you're well organized for all those things whenever you go to Japan. But uh, other than that, like Motegi is pretty cool because you're in the middle of the wilds of Japan really are in the mountains around us. It's it's a little bit different outside of the racetrack. The racetrack itself, probably not one to ride home about, one that you'd get too excited about going to, but there are always something special about uh, places like that as well. 
Uh, it's a bit like Aragon, you know, it's the middle of nowhere, but that's uh, being in the middle of nowhere is part of the thing which makes it so special. Um, uh, uh, but obviously it has a massive downside as well. Any last minute tips from the show for everyone looking to travel to a race, Dave? Um, if you haven't got much money, then Misano is definitely a good shout because it's a cheapish, um, it's a cheapish flight to Bologna. Uh, you can get a train from Bologna down to Misano. There's lots and lots of cheap hotels there, and it's quite easy to get to to, to a track. Um, I mean, like my my tip is always like combine it with something else because you're going to somewhere amazing, right? You're going to a, usually going to a different country. Uh, you are um, you, you're going to see sort of you know th- things which you haven't seen and there's lots more outside of it you know like Barcelona is fantastic Barcelona is just an amazing city Valencia is a beautiful city as well if you go to Jerez there's Cordoba and there's Granada and there's Sevilla um, you go to Saxon Ring and Chemnitz is really an interesting city but you could combine it with Berlin or uh, or Dresden or any of the other uh, uh, great German cities you know Jena that whole that whole system um, I think my one tip is go on a motorbike because there are so many if you ride a motorbike there are so many tracks where around the track is you know there's some great riding and there's some great scenery and so there's just some great things to do what about you ad what's your one tip i'd say as well two tips um if you're a big fan of riders uh for flyaway events then you know kind of if you're flying out also on the monday then keep an eye peeled around the airports that's usually a good time to spot you know team staff and riders also getting flights home um but then also if you are traveling to an event then have a look around just google what's happening on the same weekend like in kota for example um the last year or two i think they've had the hand-built motorcycle custom show uh neil and i went you know with with a with a friend um last year uh running from cycle news i mean we we met up there uh, and it's pretty cool i mean you get to see some very kind of unique motorcycle designs you can get a beer and just hang out um downtown austin um you know just little things like that make um you know i mean essentially MotoGP events are work trips for us but i imagine if you're going there as a fan and you're enjoying yourself then it just adds a bit more uh reasoning or for being there you know uh, for a weekend the other thing is uh, about the paddock because it's a good point about um, uh, about the fans. You know, European races you won't get into a paddock unless you've got a uh, unless you're as a guest. Uh, but I think Cota still sells a fan ticket which will get you into the paddock. Uh, like Qatar is usually quite a good one for that. Uh, again, because generally it's a, there are fewer fans, it's more relaxed, and so people are more open to it. I don't know about Philip whether that's the case in Philip Island as well, but generally there's a there's a few of those races where the paddock is a little bit more relaxed it's a lot it's a lot more it's a lot less stressed and you've got a much better chance of actually you know meeting people another good one is you know go to the go to the test and stay if you want to meet like the engineers team managers whatever Go to a test and stay in a hotel somewhere and uh, and go eat and you'll sort of uh, run into various crew chiefs and mechanics and engineers and all the rest of it in in restaurants of an evening. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things, especially for the flyaways, that uh, riders won't have their motorhomes, so they always have to stay in a hotel. So look for the nice hotel somewhere close to track and uh, chances are if you go down there for a beer one of the evenings, you'll probably see quite a few riders wandering in and, in and out just about the paddock as well it's always quite interesting with world superbikes that when you get a, pa- a a ticket to a race 
that gets you access to the paddock as well. So you're able to get in and get really close to the action, see all the riders as they're making their way between the hospitality and the garage or whatever. So you do get a lot of opportunities for more access at a World Superbike race just because the crowd's a little bit smaller. And I know, Dave, you're looking forward to getting back to a race weekend this year. Yeah, exactly. And looking forward to Aston. I, I, I mean, genuinely, World Superbikes is fantastic value for money for uh, for fans because you do get into the uh, into the paddock. Uh, you can actually see the bikes. You know, one thing I love about World Superbikes is the fact that they line all the bikes up after each uh, uh, after the race. Actually, in um, uh, in a proper park for me, you know, in a um, uh, in a big sort of uh, I don't know, sort of fenced off areas, and so you can actually get up close and have a proper look at the motorbikes. Dave, are you actually going to look forward to the Aston MotoGP this year, considering it'll be the third event in three weekends in a row? Um, well, I, I mean, I always look forward to Aston uh, because it's great, but also it's the uh, it's sort of the first before the summer break, so uh, um, so it's not too bad. Even though I think Kazakhstan is two weeks later, but that will be I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah, nice trip to Astana. Astana is actually quite a cool city, and uh, it's it's in I, Almaty. It's near Almaty. It's not near Astana. Yeah. But but that's where at least if you fly into Astana, you can have a, a few days in a pretty cool city and a very different to anywhere else that we go. Um, Neil, what about you? What's your one tip for anyone looking to go to races? Yeah, I mean, nothing really to add from what Dave and Ad would say, uh, or what they have said, sorry. Just, um, yeah, keep an eye out on what is going on in uh, the nearby areas. Normally, there is some kind of fan zone or some kind of entertainment going on in the evening. Um, and, uh, yeah check out which kind of cities are, are kind of easy to get to and uh, you know have a, a few days there either side of the race or maybe even during the race weekend you know maybe do a Friday in the city and then do Saturday Sunday at the track so um, yeah I think making it sometimes you have to sell the experience to someone that isn't interested in, in MotoGP I'm pretty sure that all of us have had to do that before and uh, maybe are currently doing that uh, for a race this year and uh, yeah you're always basically saying well you know if you come here then we can go to this city and and have a nice time there so yeah just um try and keep an eye out on uh nice cities nearby and kind of things you can do there to combine it up just just about that then because obviously dave said that he takes rocha to aragon each year and, and maybe another couple of events and what about you what be the one race where you'd take your wife to for uh for one race over the weekend over the season Again, Steve, I think it just depends on the time of year and the location. Um, but, you know, like you pointed out previously, uh, places like Jerez, you're not too far from the beach. Mizano also. Uh, Barcelona is a home race. Uh, you know, Silverstone I've always quite liked. It's the summer. Uh, you know, there, there are other things going on. If you're a fan of racing or motorsport, then Silverstone itself has a pretty cool museum just tacked on the side. Uh, so there are sort of things to do. Um, and then Kota, of course, is, is an overseas trip. Um, and there's, you know, Austin, I know people say it's not quite as quirky or as interesting as it used to be, um, not since it became like a, a haven for music festivals and whatever else, um, it's somewhat more commercialized now, but, um, you know, I still think it's one of the more desirable events on the calendar. So, uh, yeah, I think you just need to, to scout around and also remember that Google maps is your friend, not only for getting to the venue, but for sourcing maybe a decent restaurant or whatever else. Um, Ad, uh, obviously, I mean, your wife is sort of works in MotoGP. So what we should ask is what MXGP race would you take your wife to? Oh God, that's the question. Well, the problem with MXGP is the tracks are even more remote. There's yeah, they no, are. Yeah, 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 not, yeah. I mean, if you're 
looking in terms of pure functionality, uh, then the Spanish Grand Prix, which has been run at a purpose-built new track just out on the outskirts of Madrid, um, is, is a stone's throw from a huge commercial centre, which is handy for eating um, when you're working late in the media centre. And but Madrid's then, course, a great city you know, as well. I was really surprised the first time I went. It's fantastic. You could easily get a hotel in the centre of Madrid, which you probably wouldn't want to do because it would be more expensive. But then you can grab a train or a taxi, leave your your family or your partner there in the centre to look around the galleries or do whatever, uh, and then go and, and work and see the racing. So that's uh, probably one that springs to mind. And what about you, Neil? Which one would you take? Lady Vita. Well, um, I mean, it sort of depends on on kind of, you know, places we haven't been to or places that she hasn't been to. So I think this year we're thinking of going to, um, well, she's thinking of coming to Assen just to see David in his natural habitat, obviously, and uh, <laughs> spend a few days because we have, what, a week off after Assen? Well, a week, not off, but... Uh, you're going to go to Amsterdam again, aren't you? I know you're going to say you're going to go to Amsterdam. You're going to ignore Rotterdam, which is the city that you, Neil Morrison, it was literally built around all of your interests. Well, uh you know, I would go to Rotterdam and Utrecht, which is supposed to be fantastic cities, but the fact that you get your nickels in such a twist about me not going there makes me want to continue just uh, ignoring them. Um, but yeah, I think we're maybe going to check out um, the Netherlands this year, maybe Hareth as well, just because I've banged on about it so much and how wonderful it is. So um, yeah, those are the two that are in the calendar for this year. Well, hopefully all of this has helped all of our listeners to come up with a plan for what they're going to do through the course of the season. My one tip that I give, and this is something that I I learned 10 years ago, probably learned it the hard way, is go to rentalcarexcessinsurance.com or whatever it would be and get rental car insurance because for 50 quid a year, it gives you all of your excess. And uh, as we've found out over the years, um, I've needed that once or twice. So whenever we've gone to rally stage houses in Mugello or Sepang in the rain with Tony Goldsmith and, uh, you know, all, all those things just, uh, they, they came back to bite me a little bit. And that's why the excess rental car insurance does help. And then other than that, I think uh, we, we've covered a lot of ground about flights and how to, how to try and make sure that you get a good experience when you go to a race because going to a Grand Prix should be the highlight of your year. It should be something that's always memorable and special for you and hopefully all of this helps to make it where our listeners are able to have a really good experience when they go to a race we're going to try and do quite a few things during the course of the season as well this year to try and uh, improve that experience for anyone that goes to race we're going to do some meetups and uh, a couple of events at races through the course of the season so keep your eyes on our twitter feeds for that and at paddock pass pod we'll be able to announce that whenever we have stuff organized so certainly that's going to be something that's going to be worth keeping an eye on to hopefully make it where the race weekend experience improves for everyone that goes to uh, any of the Grand Prix during the course of the season. As it is, from the four of us, it's a big thank you to everyone for listening to this show. It is one that's been requested by a lot of listeners over the last few years. So if you've got any requests for shows like this down the line, just make sure to drop us all a message and we'll try and figure out if we're able to, to make a show based around it. From the four of us, big thank you to Rental Street as well for sponsoring the Paddock Pass podcast through the course of the year. And then make sure to check out Paddock Pass Podcast on Patreon.com as well. We've got lots of additional content going up on that over the course of the winter. Just had an interview with Jonathan Ray from World Superbike Testing just to get his thoughts on the preseason and getting ready for round one. So keep an eye on Patreon.com forward slash Paddock Pass Podcast. This episode of the Paddock Pass Podcast was produced by Jensen Beeler, David Emmett, Steve English, Neil Morrison, and Adam Wheeler. It was edited by Brian Burnett. Music is provided by The Liberty. 
All inquiries can be sent via email to team at paddockpasspodcast.com. We could make a pin dance track. <laughs>